order. Questions to the Prime Minister. Dr Alan Whitehead. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Labour will be That's number one, Mr. Prime Minister. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Immediately after questions today, I will be opening the debate on the Grenfell Tower inquiry report. Uh, but, Mr. Speaker, I know the whole House will want to join me in recording that after ten tumultuous years, this is your last Prime Minister's questions. And as befits a distinguished former Wimbledon competitor, you have sat up there in your high chair, and not just as an umpire, uh, ruthlessly adjudicating on the finer points of parliamentary procedure with your trademark Tony Montana scowl, uh, Mr Speaker. <laughs> not just as a commentator, offering your own opinions on the rallies you are watching, sometimes acerbic and sometimes kindly, but above all as a player in your own right peppering every part of the chamber with your own thoughts and opinions, like some tennis ball machine, some uncontrollable tennis ball machine, Mr Speaker, <laughs> delivering a series of literally unplayable, unreturnable, formerly unreturnable <laughs> volleys and smashes. And although we may disagree about some of the legislative innovations that you have favoured, <laughs> there is no doubt in my mind that you have been a great servant of this Parliament and of this House of Commons. Uh, you have modernised, you have widened access, to, you have cared for the needs of those with disabilities, and you have cared so deeply for the rights of backbenchers that you have done more than anyone since Stephen Hawking to stretch time in this particular <laughs> session. And as we come to the end of what must be the longest retirement since Frank Sinatra, uh, Mr <laughs> Speaker, I'm sure the whole House will want to join me in thanking you and, and hoping that you enjoy in your retirement the soothing medicament uh, that you have so often prescribed uh, for the rest of us. And I, I, know, I know members from across the House will want to join me in wishing the England rugby team the very best uh, for the final in the World Cup on Saturday. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others in addition to my duties in the House, and I shall have further such meetings later today. And Dr Alan Whitehead. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. I would like to fully associate myself with the comments from the Prime Minister about your outstanding service as Speaker, um, Speaker and to wish you uh, a long and successful uh, life after your Speakership uh, has come to an end. Uh, Labour will be producing a strong offer on the climate emergency and net zero at the forthcoming election, including a full ban on the extraction of fossil fuel by fracking. What chance does the Prime Minister think he has of matching this offer, particularly in light of the news that the Conservative manifesto is going to be written by a lobbyist for the fracking industry? Mr Speaker, we will shortly be making an, an announcement about uh, fracking in this country in view of the uh, very considerable anxieties and additionally being raised about the earthquakes that have followed uh, various fracking attempts in the UK. And we will certainly be, uh, be uh, following up on, on those findings because they are very important. I think they will be of concern to members around the House. But I must say this, this Government yields to nobody in our enthusiasm uh, for reducing CO2. Uh, we have, carbon emissions massively in the UK and we are we're the first European country to commit to net zero by 2050. 
and that is what we are going to do. And we can do it because we believe in a strong, dynamic, robust market economy that is delivering the solutions in clean technology that are deplored by the party opposite. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. On behalf of these benches, can I first of all wish my right honourable friend the best of good fortune for the 12th of December? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whilst we live in a period with some uncertainty, there are 426 people who have thalidomide who very much rely upon the health grant to give them dignity, care, and support. That grant comes to an end in a few years' time, Mr. Speaker. As chairman of the APPG for thalidomide, and on behalf of those 426 recipients, could I urge my right honourable friend to end their uncertainty as soon as possible by signalling a renewal of that grant to give them the peace of mind which I hope the whole House would agree they most certainly deserve. Well, I congratulate my honourable friend on everything he does for his uh, constituents and indeed for the thalidomide victims. And I can reassure him that the current health grant, which is indeed, as he rightly says, uh, subject to review in 2023, uh, will be reviewed. And I'm getting the confirmation of that from my right honourable friend, uh, the health secretary. And I hope that he will pass uh, those assurances uh, to uh, the uh, thalidomide victims as fast as he can. Jeremy Corbyn. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I hope you will indulge me one moment while I say a word about you. I'm sure you will. (laughs) I want to thank you, Mr. Speaker, for the way that um, you've used your speakership in the decade-long tenure you've had. You've done so much to reform this House of Commons and our democracy is the stronger for the way that you've done it. You have served for 10 years, you've given real power to backbenchers, vastly expanded the use of urgent questions, which has been overwhelmingly popular with all government ministers, and uh, (laughs) opened up the number of emergency debates, which is even more popular with even more government ministers. And in the traditions of the great Speaker Lenthal and others, you've stood up for Parliament when it has to be stood up for. And I think we thank you for that. Because you've also carried that message internationally as well in the role of parliamentary democracy and parliaments holding governments to account. And as we hope to form a government in the future, we hope to be held to account by parliament as well. But I also think, I also think, and I'm sure the whole House would agree with me on this, you've done excellent work in opening up Parliament to visitors, exhibitions and children, and you've uh, reduced some of these strange uh, customs and strange uh, uh, garments that people wear in this building. Um, It's all right, it's all right. I know you're all jealous of my tie, but it's okay. And and the way in which you've used your office, Mr Speaker, to increase diversity amongst the staff in the House and make this a much more LGBT-friendly place. You've taken it away from being a gentleman's club that happens to be in a royal palace to a genuinely democratic institution. So I want you to accept our thanks and pass on our best wishes to Sally, Freddie, Oliver and Jemima, your wonderful family, for the support they've given you. And a great celebration today, and I'm sure the whole House will join us in this, is when you and I, Mr Speaker, celebrate Arsenal beating Liverpool tonight.
the Labour Party loves a debate and loves a bit of um, a bit of banter. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister's Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister's planned sell-out deal with Donald Trump means. Means, mis, means yet more National Health Service money being siphoned off into private profit. Channel 4 dispatches reported, reported that the cost of drugs and medicines has repeatedly been discussed between US and UK trade representatives. Why did the Prime Minister previously say the health service wasn't on the table in any post-Brexit trade deal? Mr Speaker, the answer to that is very simple. It's because it is not on the table. By the way, I pay tribute to the officials of the NHS who have just done a brilliant job in reducing the cost of Orcambi so that cystic, cystic fibrosis, made in America by the way, so that cystic fibrosis sufferers in this country get the treatment they need at a cost that is reasonable to the taxpayers of this country. And if he wants to know how the people of this country are able to afford the, the stupendous investments that we're now making in the NHS, £34 billion, the biggest ever investment in the NHS, 40 new hospitals that we are building as a result of, as a result of the decisions that we are taking. It is because this is the party, this is the party that supports wealth creation. And the reason we're able to invest in the NHS, Mr Speaker, is that for the last nine years this economy has been growing. It has grown by 19% since the Conservatives first came into office. And he would ruin this economy and ruin our ability to fund the NHS. And that is the reality. Mr Speaker, Mr. Speaker, we all welcome the fact that Okambi will now be able to be provided in this country under the NHS and we thank those that campaigned for it. The shame is that we're not told what the deal is with the company concerned. And as for these, uh, as for these fabled 40 hospitals, that figure dropped to 20 and then finally dropped to 6. We, Mr Speaker, we learned this week we learned this week that government officials have met US pharmaceutical companies five times as part of the Prime Minister's planned detail, trade detail. The US has called for full market access to our NHS, which would mean prices of some of our most important medicines increasing by up to sevenfold. Mr Speaker, whilst the government is having secret meetings with US corporations, it's patients here that continue to suffer. Can the Prime Minister explain why the number of people waiting longer for urgent cancer treatment has tripled over the last nine years? Mr Speaker, as he knows, as he knows very well, uh, this this government is investing £34 billion 
into the NHS. Uh, we are seeing we are seeing improvements in cancer survival rates across the country. We are seeing improvements in cancer survival rates thanks to the investments that this government is making. And I think it absolutely satirical, uh, Mr. Speaker, that he should he should claim credit for getting or can be and other drugs delivered at a reasonable price. That is the work of the, that is the work of the UK government. That is the work of the NHS supporting NICE to ensure that people in this country get affordable treatments. And he may not be he may not be aware of it, Mr. Speaker, but the Vertex, the company that makes or can be, comes from America. Is he seriously suggesting? Is he seriously suggesting that the NHS should not engage in negotiations to ensure that British patients get the drugs they deserve? Is he is he so phobic? Is he so phobic of American companies that he would forbid them for having those discussions? Mr Speaker, not for the first time, the Prime Minister is talking nonsense. Of course we need to import medicines from various places. I just want it to be done. I just want it to be done in an open and transparent way. I don't want secret talks between government officials on behalf of ministers with big pharma corporations in the USA. And last year, Mr Speaker, 34,000 cancer patients waited more than two months for treatment. And whilst early detection is obviously very important, the longer people wait, the less chance there is of survival from cancer. The Prime Minister knows that, I know that, the whole world knows that. Why can't he get it and put the necessary resources into the NHS to cut the waiting time? If he could just be patient for 30 seconds. He says, Mr Speaker, he claims, Mr Speaker, the NHS is safe in his hands. Why then has NHS privatisation doubled under this government with nearly £10 billion being spent on private companies within our NHS? Mr Speaker, the NHS is receiving unrivaled and unprecedented sums of taxpayers' money. But if he is seriously saying that he would not like dentists and opticians and Macmillan care nurses to work with the NHS, then I think he frankly must be out of his mind, Mr Speaker. Let me tell him. Let me tell him that cancer survival rates have actually increased year on year since since 2010. Cancer survival rates have increased, uh, and and uh, more and more people are seen within the the right waiting time, thanks to the investments. Thanks to the investments that we are making, and I think he should pay tribute to the hard work of NHS staff, and he should recognise and stop talking down their incredible achievements. And he should recognise that we intend, if we are allowed, if we come back as, as the next government, we will invest massively in that NHS and take it forward with the funds that we will make available from a strong and growing economy. And the reality is that he would wreck that economy. Mr Speaker, what we don't want is private companies like Virgin Healthcare suing our NHS for contracts they didn't get. Our NHS should be focused on making people better, 
not the wealthy few richer. The National Health Service A&E departments, Mr Speaker, have just had their worst September on record. This morning, the Royal College of Emergency Medicine says this winter the NHS needs over 4,000 extra beds. Could the Prime Minister explain why, under his government, the number of people in England waiting for an operation has now reached a record high of 4.4 million? Mr Speaker, there's a reason, there's a reason why uh, more people are receiving NHS care, and that is because the NHS is working harder and achieving more than ever before. And if you want to look at, if you want to look at what Labour, if the House wants to look at what Labour would be like in office, look at their performance. In, well, by the way, the, I should say the SNP government that negotiated a much higher price for a, or can be, it occurs to me, uh, in, in Scotland. Uh, they, they wait. They did. They did. Uh, they got the price totally wrong. You should have a word with them. Uh, but, but I, if you look at, if you want, if you, if the, if the people of this country uh, want want a, a horrific, a horrific foretaste of what life would be like under a Labour-run NHS, look at look at the NHS in Wales, where all health targets are routinely missed. Uh, the A&E waiting target hasn't been met since 2008. Inpatient average patients haven't been met since August 2010. Urgent, urgent cancer treatment. He talks about cancer treatment, Mr. Speaker. It hasn't been met since June 2008. That is, that is how Labour runs the NHS, Mr. Speaker. I'm surprised he can keep a straight face saying that while his government has cut so much from the Welsh government's budget. And from a government that's cut 15,000 beds out of the NHS, that has cut 7 billion from social care, I don't know how he's got the brass neck to say what he just said. The reality is, Mr Speaker, his words are hollow. Anyone who's tried to get a GP appointment, who sees how overworked our NHS staff are when they visit a hospital, and the stress NHS staff go through when they can't deal with all the patients that are coming in, he needs to think about this. I'll give an example. A lady called Gillian wrote to me this week. Yes, it's a real case of a real person. And I will quote her letter if I may, Mr Speaker. Gillian says... My mother died in February as a direct result of the GP shortage in the UK. Her last years were marred by long waits for treatments and for interventions. Whenever she got care, it was given by overstretched but very dedicated people. But it always came after painful and debilitating delays. Why should that happen to Gillian's mum or anybody else's mum? The problem is the shortage of GPs, the shortage of nurses and the excessive waiting time for people with very difficult conditions and deep pain. They should be sympathised with and supported. Well, Mr Speaker, I can certainly say that we will deal with uh, his uh, constituent Gillian's uh, concerns, but I can tell him... I can tell him that there are 17,300 more doctors and over 17,000 more nurses on our wards since 2010. And, and I think, frankly, Mr Speaker, uh, it is time to differentiate between the politics of protest and the politics of leadership. And, and he, he, 
He should, he should apologise, uh, Mr Speaker, for continually striking attitudes that I do not think are in the interest of the... It's all very easy uh, to be an Islingtonian uh, protester and say that you side with, with Russia uh, over what happened in Salisbury, or to say that you have a £196 billion programme of renationalisation, or continually to flip-flop one way or the other, now leave, now remain, refusing to respect the verdict of the people in the referendum on the EU. Leadership, leadership means standing up for the people of this country, standing up for our police, standing up for our NHS, making sure that it gets the funding that it needs, and standing up for our economy and for our wealth creators. And above all, it means getting Brexit done and ending the dither and the delay. The time for protest is over, Mr Speaker. It's time for leadership. And that is what this government provides. Mr Speaker, coming from uh, Prime Minister who withdrew his own bill, it seems, it seems a bit odd. My question, my question, Mr Speaker, my question, Mr Speaker, was about somebody whose mother had died and she believes that's because of the shortage of staff within the NHS. I would have hoped the Prime Minister would have tried to show some empathy and answer that question. Because GP numbers are falling, there's 43,000 nurses shortage in the NHS and it suffered the longest spending squeeze ever in its history. Mr Speaker, the choice at this election couldn't be clearer. People have a chance to vote for real change after years of Conservative and Lib Dem cuts privatisation and tax handouts for the richest, this government that's put our NHS into crisis. This election is a once-in-a-generation chance to end privatisation in our NHS, give it the funding it needs and give it the doctors, the nurses, the GPs and all the other staff that it needs. Despite the Prime Minister's denials, our NHS is up for grabs by US corporations in a Trump-style trade deal. Isn't the truth, Mr Speaker, that no, the right order, the right honourable gentleman will not be shouted down under any circumstances. He will complete his inquiry to the satisfaction of the chair, and people who think otherwise will quickly learn that they are, as usual, wrong. Jeremy Corbyn. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Despite his denials, the NHS is up for grabs by US corporations in a Trump trade deal. Isn't the truth? And the government may not like it. Isn't the truth that this government is preparing to sell out our NHS? Our health service is in more danger than at any other time in its glorious history because of his government, his attitudes and the trade deals he wants to strike. Mr Speaker, I do indeed agree that there is a stark choice facing this country at this election, and it is between economic catastrophe under the Labour Party, under the Labour Party, a £196 billion programme taking away money from companies and putting it on a pointless renationalisation programme, putting up taxes on corporations, on people, on pensions, on businesses, and at the highest level in the whole of Europe, Mr Speaker. That is the catastrophe, the economic catastrophe that he offers, but it's worse than that because he also offers a political disaster. Consigning next year, which should be a wonderful year for our country, to two more referendums, Mr Speaker. Another referendum on the EU, because he can't make up his mind on what he thinks, flip-flopping this way and that, 
and another referendum on Scottish independence. Why on earth, why on earth should the people of this country spend the next year, which should be a glorious year, going through the toxic, tedious torpor of two more referendums thanks to the Labour We want next year to be a great year for our country, Mr Speaker. We want it to be a great year because we are going to invest more in front-line NHS services. We are going to reduce violent crime with more police officers on our streets. 20,000. That's what I pledged on the, street, on the steps of Downing Street, and we've done it. We are going to invest in every one of our schools, primary and secondary, across the country. That's what I pledged on the steps of Downing Street, and we are delivering it. We are going to invest in a fantastic infrastructure programme for our country. Gigabit broadband across the whole nation. That's what I pledged across the steps of, on the steps of Downing Street. That is what we are going to deliver and we are going to deliver a fantastic deal by which this country will come out of the European Union. A deal that he has tried to block and that we will deliver. That is the future for this country. Drift and dither under the Labour Party or taking Britain forward to a brighter future under the Conservatives. That is the choice this country faces. Mr Blackman. Speaker, for more than 30 years, the Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital in Stanmore was promised to rebuild. Under a Conservative government, we have the first phase of those medical facilities to match the world-class treatment provided by the medical team there. However, we have two problems. One is that the next phase is caught up in NHS bureaucracy, and sadly, two eminent uh, non-executive directors have been dismissed from the board. Can my right honourable friend sweep away this NHS bureaucracy so we can provide the medical facilities that are required and also order an investigation as to why the non-executive directors have been removed by the board by NHS London? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, I congratulate my honourable friend on everything he does to campaign for his constituents and in particular for his hospital uh, in, in Stanmore. And I can assure him uh, that uh, we will be making sure that uh, that hospital, along with uh, many others, will be in line for the funding uh, he requires. But may I tell him uh, that on his specific point about the administration of that hospital, I will indeed ask, be asking my right honourable friend, uh, the Health Secretary, to deal with his concerns uh, very speedily. Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And can I, on behalf of those of us on these benches, wish you all the best for your impending retirement and salute you, sir, for the way that you have stood up for the democracy of this House in order that at this time of crisis that we hold the government to account. We trust that you enjoy your many passions in retirement. You'll always be welcome up in Scotland. And if you need to visit a football team as an antidote to Arsenal, you'll always be welcome at Easter Road to see the mighty Speaker, Let me, Mr Speaker, wish England all the best for the rugby on Saturday. Mr Speaker, this Prime Minister's extreme Brexit will take a wrecking ball to the economy and cost Scotland and the United Kingdom up to £70 billion a year. You know, Mr Speaker, 
We can talk about the impact of Brexit and they howl and complain because they know the reality that it's going to damage people's lives. Isn't the truth Prime Minister is willing to throw Scotland under his big red bus to deliver his Brexit, no matter what the cost? Mr Speaker, as, he, as, he, as, he, as the right honourable gentleman knows uh, very well, the greatest damage that could be done to the Scottish economy uh, would be their reckless plan to break up the union uh, with the UK. 60% of Scotland's business, uh, of Scotland's exports is with uh, the rest of the, of the UK. They would, uh, they would be throwing away not just the biggest block grant uh, in history that, they, that Scotland has received this year, but of course all the benefits of membership of the most successful political partnership in history. From shipbuilding, shipbuilding in Govan uh, to the Glasgow Climate Change Summit next year, Mr. Speaker, which will be a glory, a glory of our whole United Kingdom, and which is coming to Scotland precisely because Scotland is part of the United Kingdom. And away, Mr Speaker, with their crackpot plan for borders at Berwick and creating a new Scottish currency, uh, Mr Speaker, uh, or, going, or joining the Euro, or worse still, going into the European Union, handing back control of Scotland's fisheries, Scotland's spectacular marine wealth, just at the moment that they've been won back by this country, handing back control of those fisheries to Brussels. That's their policy, Mr Speaker. I look forward to contesting it at the barricades. You know, Mr Speaker, I thought it was Prime Minister's questions, not a rant from the Prime Minister. Mr Kerr, I'm seriously worried about your condition. Calm yourself, man. I'm very concerned for you. Calm down. Ian Blackford. Well, I certainly wish Mr Grant all the best for his future because he's not coming back like so many of the Scottish Conservatives. And, you know, we hear that the Prime Minister is going to be coming up to Scotland in the election campaign. Can I tell the Prime Minister he's welcome? Because each time he comes to Scotland, he drives SNP support up. Mr Speaker, Scotland didn't vote for Brexit, and we won't have it forced upon us. Isn't it clear that the Scottish National Party is the only party standing up for Scotland's interests? democratic decision to remain in the European Union. Mr Speaker, this coming election will be one of the most important in Scotland's history. Only a vote for the SNP can secure the escape route for Scotland away from this Brexit mess, from the chaos of Westminster, the austerity of the Tories, and to protect Scotland's right to choose our own future as an independent country in Europe. Well, Mr. Speaker, I'm, I'm sorry if I, I seem to rant at the right, right honourable gentleman, but uh, I might, if I may say, Mr. Speaker, well, he, he does rant quite a lot about uh, <laughs> uh, about independence for 
for Scotland and he, uh, he bangs on about it endlessly. Why does he go on about Scottish independence so much? It's because he wants to conceal what the SNP government is actually doing in Scotland, Mr Speaker. And they are wrecking and they are diabolical for the Scottish economy. They have the highest taxes in the UK. They're not running either health or education well. That is why they're so monomaniacal about, about independence and smashing the union, Mr Speaker. And actually, when I look at the good things that are happening in Scotland, and there are some wonderful things happening, it is, uh, it is very often thanks to Scottish Conservatives uh, who, are, who are delivering £200 million, £200 million, Mr Speaker, for Scottish farmers, all thanks to the intercessions of Scottish Conservatives, the biggest ever block grant from London to Scotland, Mr Speaker. And, of course, it is Scottish Conservatives who can be relied upon, unlike any other party in Scotland, unlike Labour, unlike the SNP, to keep the union together, the most successful political, par political partnership in history. The house must calm itself. The truth is that one person's rant is another person's stream of passionate and uninterrupted eloquence. Mr Nigel Evans. Thank you, Mr Speaker. As uh, your former Deputy Speaker, can I say that uh, nobody has sat in that chair who has done more to defend and promote the rights of LGBTI people uh, in this country and throughout the world, and when so many people live in fear of being born the way they are. I salute you. Thank you. Uh, Prime Minister, uh, the Guardian newspaper last week reported that the largest number of happiest people live in the Ribble Valley. And I believe you have the capacity to make them happier. Will you ensure that of the 153 extra police that are coming to Lancashire, Ribble Valley gets its fair share? that we get our fair share of rural funding for health services like the Sladeburn Health Centre and we get equal funding per pupil in our schools. And finally, will he ensure that for the 57% who voted Brexit and for the almost 100% who believe in democracy, that after the general election when he's Prime Minister, he will deliver the Brexit people voted for? Well, Mr. Speaker, I can certainly give him the, uh, an assurance on the second point, and the only way to deliver a great Brexit is to vote uh, for this party and for this government. And I can make him even happier still uh, by pointing out that not only the 153 is just the first wave, uh, yeah, yeah. Mr. Speaker, uh, for Ribble Valley and part of the 20,000 more police that we'll be putting on the streets of this country. Jess Phillips. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I won't have never known this place without you here, and I think it will be. Uh, it will. Well, it's going to be different. It's a delight to see your children here watching today, because I know that while you have a responsibility to Parliament, that you take your responsibilities as a parent incredibly seriously, also. And now to the Prime Minister. Um, today. Today is my son Danny's 11th birthday. Thanks to the years of cuts voted for by the Prime Minister, Danny, my son and hundreds of children in Birmingham Yardley are in supersized classes and are only being educated four and a half days a week. I don't want to hear his fancy stock answers about Brexit or Russia that he's been giving from his little folder. I want or about how you're going to give more. I know what the Prime Minister. Uh, both representatives, uh, the 
Dispatch Box spoke with force and fully. The Honourable Lady is not going to be cut off by people ranting at her. She will be heard. If there are people who don't want to hear it, they're welcome to leave. I don't think she'll care and neither will I. The Honourable Lady's question will be heard and that's the end of it. Jess Phillips. I don't want to hear his campaign ad answer because my son won't be able to go to school on Friday. So his campaign ad answer does nothing for me as a parent. I don't... I'm so glad that you think it's really funny that people can't go to school five days a week. The Prime Minister is responsible for the children in this country and while he might struggle with that personally, I would like to know, will he today commit that there will be a minimum number of children in every class post the election and every single child will be able to go to school for five days a week? Well, Mr. Speaker, can I first of all uh, wish uh, a very happy birthday to Danny, and 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 I can I can reassure her that uh, I believe that under this government, under this Conservative government, he will have the best possible chance, not only of having uh, the funding for his school that he needs, because we're investing in every primary and every secondary school in the country, and, uh, and uh, Mr Speaker, he will also, as I say, £14 billion to level up funding, uh, both in primary and in secondary schools. And, Mr Speaker, I believe that Danny will have a better chance of a great job under this government and look at what we've achieved already record record employment under this government and a better chance of being able uh, to find eventually his own home so danny has a great future under this government uh, mr speaker and i hope she'll reassure him on that point John Lamont. Uh, thank you very much uh, mr speaker in scotland uh, in scotland nicholas sturgeon and the snp are letting down our wonderful nhs staff and the patients Waiting time targets have been missed, capital investment has been slashed and has a £1 billion maintenance backlog. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that rather than obsessing about independence referendums, Nicola Sturgeon should end her neglect of Scotland's NHS? Mr Speaker, I congratulate my honourable friend on everything uh, that he does for his constituency in Berwickshire. He is absolutely right. Uh, that it is, and that is why, as I said earlier, that is why they rant, uh, to use his own word. That is why they rant so incessantly yeah. about independence, because they wish to distract, they wish to dead cat, as the saying goes, uh, from the, the, tr- the lamentable failures of the SNP government in Scotland. And he's entirely right. If this goes on, I think that uh, the SNP will forfeit all right to manage the NHS in Scotland. Yeah. Ronnie Cowan. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Fireworks and politics can be entertaining. Unfortunately, fireworks of explosive types can cause great distress, distress to people, pets and livestock. The SNP has got his government run a 14-week consultation and received over 16,000 responses. 94% of respondents said they would welcome increased controls on the sale of fireworks. The relevant legislation covers consumer protection and explosives, environmental law and animal welfare law. Has the Prime Minister ever considered <coughs> banning the sale of fireworks to the general public and in the short time left to him? Will he? Yeah. 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 Uh, 
Mr. Speaker, I think it's important to strike a balance, and people should be allowed to uh, celebrate uh, Guy Fawkes Night and, and other occasions with fireworks. But he's plainly right that they are very disturbing for animals. I know that my right honourable friend, uh, the business secretary, is looking at this very matter. And I just point out that on animal welfare, it may interest him to know that there are measures we will be able to implement as a result of Brexit, such as banning sow farrowing crates, for instance, which I think is a great concern to our constituents, banning the live export of animals uh, that we would not otherwise be able to do. And that is one of the reasons why we need to get Brexit done and take this country forward. Baker! M- Mr Speaker, thousands of British people in Wickham have family and friends on one or both sides of the line of control in Kashmir, with so many serious allegations of human rights abuses being made. Does the government accept that this is not merely some foreign policy issue to be dealt with by others, but that it is an issue of the most immediate and profound concern in Wickham and in towns across the UK? I thank my honourable friend, and he's absolutely right that this matters very much not just to uh, him and uh, to his constituents, but the uh, the welfare of communities in in Kashmir is of profound concern to the UK government. Uh, and he also knows, of course, that it is the long-standing position of the UK government that the crisis in Kashmir is fundamentally a matter for India and Pakistan uh, to resolve and it is not, alas, uh, since we were there at the very beginning of this crisis. He will understand uh, for long-standing reasons it is not for us as the UK to prescribe a solution in that dispute. In my constituency, the squeeze on government spending has meant we have a third fewer police than we had in 2010. We have lost half of our children's centres and the state of disrepair at St Mary's Hospital Paddington is so acute that last week the outpatients department was closed because of leaking sewage. How then can the Prime Minister justify squandering £2 billion of public money on no-deal Brexit preparations following his feeble pledge to exit the EU tomorrow, do or die. Mr Speaker, I might ask her how she can justify spending another billion pounds uh, per month by this country on, on delaying our exit from the European Union, which is, that, which is what she voted for, Mr Speaker. And I might, I might, remind, I might remind her uh, that uh, under this government uh, we are spending £225 million more per year on uh, policing in London uh, than, than there was a case when I was uh, Mayor of London, uh, Mr Speaker. And she might ask her friend, uh, the Mayor of London, what he's doing with that money and what, and what why he can't do, do better because he's, frankly his, re, his record on policing in London is utterly shameful and she should be holding him to account. Yeah. William Rag. Um, thank you very much yeah. Mr Speaker. Yeah. I welcome the significant additional investment in Stockport schools thanks yeah. to the Prime Minister's work. Will my right honourable friend the Prime Minister congratulate the excellent schools in my constituency and pledge further resources so that they can continue to deliver an excellent education for our young people. Mr Speaker, I'd be very happy to congratulate Warren Wood and Norbury Hall Schools, which I believe Norbury Hall, which I believe is the uh, alma mater of my, uh, of my honourable friend, and, and, to, and, to, and to confirm what I think he knows and what the whole house knows that those schools and every other school in the country is getting 14 billion pounds more to level up funding for every pupil in this country. That is possible because of the policies pursued by our Conservative, our One Nation Conservative government. And 
and it will be ruined by the Labour opposition. Scanningham! Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Due to health inequalities, men in my Stockton North constituency live an average of 16 years less than in his. So, would the Prime Minister agree it's time my area got the new hospital promised 10 years ago but axed by the Tory Lib Dem coalition? Mr Speaker, I will certainly look at what we can do to ensure that he does get a, a new hospital uh, in his constituency, but I can tell him, that the, uh, because we have a huge programme now underway, but I can tell him the only, way, the only way to deliver that investment, £34 billion investment in the NHS, the biggest, the biggest in modern history, is to ensure that you have a dynamic, dynamic one-nation market economy of the kind that we have. What, and all, I'm afraid all that his party would do is whack up tax on business, on companies, uh, in such a way as to destroy the viability of the UK economy. And that's, that's the programme that he supports. Mr Kenneth Clark! Mr Speaker, may I take the occasion of your last uh, Prime Minister's questions and mine to join in the tributes to your own role in the chair. Uh, during your decade... There have been unprecedented attempts, really, to try to, at times, increase the power of the executive at the expense of this parliament. And you have been very formidable in maintaining the duty of government to be accountable to this House. I trust your successor will try to live up to your very considerable achievement. And uh, to show that a veteran MP can still look to the future, even one who is retiring from the House, uh, can I ask my right honourable friend... Uh, to give me some clarity on what he will seek to achieve if by chance he wins this unpredictable general election <laughs> by way of the permanent relationship that he will have to negotiate between the EU and the United Kingdom as an ex-member. Uh, in the years of negotiation that he will have to undertake, will he seek to ensure that we maintain trade and flows of investment between the whole of the United Kingdom and the European Union that are free of tariffs, free of custom controls, and largely free of regulatory distinctions. Indeed, as near as possible to the single market and the customs union that we're in. Because just talking about a free trade agreement is an extremely vague aspiration and covers a wide range of possibilities. So can he demonstrate he really is a liberal free trader at heart? Uh, indeed, Mr. Speaker, and as he knows, the advantage of the, uh, the the partnership that we will build is that not only will we have zero tariff, if, if uh, as I'm sure they will, if the talks go well, we have zero tariff, zero quota arrangement with our European friends and partners. But we will also, under the current deal, which is a fantastic deal, we will be able to do free trade deals around the world, uh, Mr. Speaker. And there will be there will be many ways in which, of course, uh, we will stay very close with our European friends and partners. Many, many ways in which we'll stay close, but there will be also be important ways in which we may seek to do things differently and better. I've already mentioned animal welfare. I might mention 
tax breaks for new technology. I may mention cutting uh, VAT on sanitary products. I may mention free ports, Mr. Speaker. There are all sorts of ways. I may mention uh, different uh, regulation on biotechnology or many of the areas in which this country now leads the world. That is the opportunity for our country to do a great free trade deal with our European friends and partners of a kind of which I'm sure my right honourable friend would thoroughly approve, but also to be a champion for free trade around the world. And that is what we are going to do. As the Father of the House leaves this place after 49 years without interruption, I for one want to salute him. The Right Honourable and Learned Gentleman is one of the most popular and respected politicians in our country for his service to this place, for his service to his constituents and for his service to our country, he deserves the warmest appreciation. For my part, I thank him for his support and friendship over decades. The Right Honourable and Learned Gentleman, as I think most sensible people know whether they agree with him or not, is a great man. Mr Jonathan Reynolds. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I know everyone on this side of the House would like to associate themselves with those comments to the Father of the House. Mr Speaker, one of the most consistent things I've seen in all my parliamentary casework is I'm afraid too many children with special educational needs not getting the support they need. Something I know, Mr Speaker, you personally support a great deal. This year, councils in England alone will overspend on their SEN budgets by over £400 million. And even then, there is simply not enough resource in the system. So, Prime Minister, how could any government like yours justify going ahead with cutting corporation tax to 18% when children with the greatest needs in this country are simply not getting what they should? Prime Minister! Well, I'm afraid that shows the fundamental uh, uh, division between us, alas, because uh, I I think that what you need is a strong and dynamic economy, and the evidence is that if you reduce corporation tax, you deliver more in yields, you deliver more more in growth, and that is how how we've been able uh, to commit now to spending another £780 million on special educational needs uh, schools and and allowing communities to set up new SEND schools where they desire them and we will back them with the funding that is made available by that strong economy and that is the fundamental difference between him and him and me. Andrew Mitchell. Is my right honourable friend aware that during your time in office Mr Speaker and the 326 Prime Minister's questions over which you have presided thanks to decisions made by the government and by this house The British taxpayer has paid for life-saving vaccinations for more than 140 million children living in the poorest countries of the world. Mr Speaker, at a time of considerable division in our country, is not that an achievement in which the whole of Britain can take real pride? Prime Minister! Uh, Mr Speaker, it certainly is an achievement in which I think the whole House should be proud. And I know that uh, the Right Honourable Gentleman, my Right Honourable Friend, has done a huge amount to champion the cause of overseas development. And uh, he can be absolutely certain that this Government will continue, uh, not just to provide uh, support for vaccination around the world, uh, but of course to ensure that we continue 
to lead the world in our overseas development budgets because uh, our commitment, I, I may say, is followed and respected by countries around the world. Stevens. Yesterday, it was reported that a former staff member of the Secretary of State for Wales, Ross England, had, in the words of a trial judge, single-handedly and deliberately sabotaged a rape trial by referring to the victim's sexual history against the judge's instructions. The trial had to be stopped and started again from scratch, and the defendant was convicted. Unbelievably, the party opposite then selected Mr England as a Welsh Assembly candidate with the Secretary of State's endorsement. Is the Prime Minister going to sack Mr England? Prime Minister! Mr Speaker, it would be inappropriate for me to, com to comment on ongoing legal proceedings. Claire, oh Claire Perry O'Neill! Much, Mr. Speaker. It's also in my last Prime Minister's questions, and I would like to follow the comments that have been made about your very strong leadership from that chair and indeed your kind comments about my good friend, your right honourable member for Ryslip and others. Um, I would also like, if I may, take this opportunity to thank uh, the staff of this place, particularly those in the library, the catering department, the doorkeepers who do so much to keep us uh, hail and hearty. I'd like to thank my very number of friends and colleagues across this place, including my right honourable friend, the member for Maidenhead who have been so personally kind to me over the last few months and so supportive of our policies, particularly the introduction of our net zero legislation. I would like to thank the people of Devizes who have given me their trust for the last nine years. It has been the privilege of my life to serve you. I would like to ask the Prime Minister a question. Does he believe, like me, that there is no planet B? and that we should take the opportunity of this Brexit blockage-breaking election to move on, move the country on, and focus on the incredible things that we can do as the host of the UN's global climate change talks, which may be in Glasgow, but are a four-nation COP next year, so that we can help the world to get on with dealing with the problem of the next 30 years, how we repair our climate. Prime Minister! Well, Mr Speaker, may I pay tribute to my right honourable friend for everything she has done in her parliamentary and, indeed, her ministerial uh, career, and to agree with her, uh, to associate myself, by the way, Mr Speaker, with uh, your comments on my right honourable friend, the member for Rushcliffe as well. Uh, who, uh, but I, 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 I know that she is actually leaving this place to do something perhaps even more important, which is to run our COP26 summit uh, next year in Glasgow. And I know that she will do an absolutely outstanding job. And I think she is completely right that it would be far more wonderful for this country to focus on what we can do to lead the world in tackling the problems of the environment and tackling climate change than frittering away yet more political time and capital in two more pointless referendums. So I, I, thoroughly, I thoroughly agree with, uh, with uh, her proposal. Henry! Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I say to you from the Highlands, Gura Mahichlat. Prime Minister, my constituent Rachel has been separated from her two young children and her husband Mark and forced to return to Malaysia because her 
2,000-pound spousal visa application was refused. It was refused because her husband Mark's payslips were not included. The problem is, Prime Minister, that payslips are not a requirement on the UKVI checklist. And she called and emailed UKVI and was told no further information was required. Does he consider this to be fair? And will he personally look into her new £2,000 application to ensure this Highland family are reunited by Christmas? Well, Mr. Speaker, I thank you for raising his constituents' uh, uh, problem with, with the immigrant, with UKVI, and I will, I will make sure that uh, my right honourable friend, uh, the Home Secretary, addresses it uh, immediately. John Barron, we all remember that the opposition parties never wanted to give the people an EU referendum, even opposing our amendment to the 2013 Queen's speech, selected by you, Mr. Speaker, an early Brexiteer to um, (laughs) regretting the absence of a referendum bill. Given that they've done everything they can to delay our departure, may I urge the Prime Minister, as we head into Christmas, whatever their antics, that he leads a positive, decent, one-nation campaign, a, a stronger economy to help those less fortunate, which addresses the divisions in our country, and we wish him well. Well, Mr. Speaker, I, I thank my, my right honourable friend for uh, putting it uh, so succinctly and so well. That is exactly uh, what we want. I think it's what the people of this country want. They want to get Brexit done, and they want they want to move forward with a with a one nation agenda to unite this country, level up across the country with better education, better infrastructure, and fantastic new technology. That is our agenda. Their agenda is for years more of political dither, delay, and division. Angus Brendan McNeil. Happily, Mr. Speaker, Angus, can my hitch leave as well from the Hilling in the year? Uh, Mr. Speaker, with Scotland's changing status in Europe since 2014, why will the Prime Minister not agree to a Section 30? Why has he so far refused a Section 30 as a route to enable an independence referendum for Scotland? Scotland needs to join the dozens of normal independent European nations and become independent. Uh, Oh, well, Mr. Speaker, I think the Honourable Gentleman knows my answer to that, which is that there was a referendum uh, in 2014. The, uh, the result was very clear. Uh, people were promised that it would be a once in a generation uh, referendum, and uh, I don't think that we should break that promise. Hugh Merriman! Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. It's a pleasure to see you in your Arsenal tie. I've worn mine as well uh, for two reasons. I'm sorry the Leader of the Opposition has not uh, worn his own. Um, Mr. Speaker, before. I go on and ask the Prime Minister a question. Can I thank you, not just for giving me a voice in this place, but for giving uh, representation to my family and those I grew up in, Buckingham, that you have served so well as their local MP. They have asked me to pass on that you will be missed dearly by them. Returning back to the football politics metaphor, would the Prime Minister agree with me that when it comes to both football and politics, the owner of the number 10 berth is key to success? And so would he rather see a centre-right dominant leader sweeping all before him in domestically and in Europe, or should we look towards the left wing where we might see a misfiring striker more at home in the 1970s? Prime Minister! Uh, again, uh, Mr. Speaker, I, 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 I thank my, my, my honourable friend who does a superb job of representing his, his constituents. My own 
my own footballing skills uh, are, 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 are legendary. I, I, I can do it, Mr. Speaker. I, I can do it. And I, I, I enjoy it. But the most important thing is to have a team that is united and that will deliver uh, deliver a great future for this country. And that is what that is what we offer, Mr. Speaker. And I'm afraid it is in sharp contradistinction from the Labour Party because last night, last night, I think more than a hundred of them. Vote, they couldn't even be bothered to vote for a general election, in which, they're, which they're shortly about to contest. What kind of confidence is that in their leader, Mr. Speaker? Paul Roberts. I don't think we'll see your like, your like again, but we will miss you in this house. And now we're coming to the close of nine years of Tory misrule misinformation and broken promises. Leading us in this merry dance is the Prime Minister, a lord of misrule at this shambolic Christmas election. But, Mr Speaker, my party has long been prepared for this election. In Wales, we have a simple choice. We can back our country by voting Plaid Cymru or be let down once again by one of these deeply divided Westminster parties who offer nothing but more Brexit chaos. Will the Prime Minister be honest for once with Wales? There's only one way out of this chaos, isn't there? And that is to remain in the European Union. Prime Minister! Well, I, th- I thank the uh, Right Honourable Lady for her, her, beautifully, uh, be- uh, her beautiful Welsh. Uh, I couldn't get all of it, the, all of the Welsh. Uh, but uh, I just remind her of the most, the most important thing, the most important uh, point that she might uh, bear in mind is that her constituents, uh, the people of Wales, voted to leave the European Union. And, and that, is what, that is what the people of this country voted for. That is what the majority of the constituents of the benches opposite voted for. And it is high time that they honoured that promise. Dr Caroline Johnson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, my constituents in North Highcombe deal with some of the worst traffic congestion in the country. And they tell me that completing Lincoln's bypass would make a huge difference to their lives. Can my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, confirm his government will support by building of this bypass? Uh, Mr Speaker, not only can I can confirm that, but I can thank both her and our candidate in Lincoln, Carl McCartney, uh, for everything, everything they have done uh, to campaign for that bypass. Mr Nigel Dodds. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And can I, on behalf of the members of, of my party, thank you for your service to this House. You came to office at a very, very turbulent and challenging time for, for this House, and you have always been very assiduous in protecting the rights of backbenchers and smaller parties, and we thank you for that and wish you well in your retirement. Uh, Mr Speaker, in the dying days of this Parliament, would the Prime Minister please uh, do something for the victims of historical institutional abuse in Northern Ireland? I raised this at Northern Ireland Questions. There is still time in this Parliament to get this legislation through. The victims have been waiting for so long now. It is cross-party, cross-community support. Would he please act on that? 
I, 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 I thank my, my right honourable friend for what he's, uh, what he's, uh, the point he's made, and he's campaigned very much for on that issue. Uh, the government, of course, has fulfilled its promise to introduce uh, legislation on the matter, and as he knows, and my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, has had uh, productive meetings with representatives from victims and survivors groups. But the most powerful way of addressing this issue, uh, as he knows, will be if we can all work together to get the Stormont executive back up and running to deal with the matter themselves. So John Hay. Thank you, Mr Speaker. There will never be, because there could never be, a more eloquent and articulate speaker. We will miss your style and your, and your remarkable encyclopedic grasp of detail. And I will miss the literary references, by the way, <laughs> uh, Mr Speaker. Marcel Proust. I said the only. Hear about Proust. The only real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but having new eyes. And hard-working British patriots that voted to leave the European Union with fresh eyes have in their sights the bourgeois liberal elite that is trying to steal Brexit from them. this plain and straightforward message. Back Brexit, back Britain, back Boris. There is only one way to get, take this country forward, and that is to get Brexit done. And I can tell him he is a doughty campaigner for people in his constituency and across the country. And, and if, if our government is returned, as I, as I hope it will be, and I will work very hard to ensure that it is, the people of this country will be seeing record investment in their NHS. They will be seeing improvements in their wages through the biggest expansion of the living wage uh, in memory. And they will be seeing reductions in the cost of living because it is one nation conservative policies that can be relied on to take this country forward and it is that party that would take us backwards. Jay Swinson. Thank you Mr Speaker and from the Liberal Democrat benches can we wish you well and congratulate you on a decade particularly as a modernising speaker from topicality of debates to promoting diversity within the staff of the House to reforms to support parents who are MPs. You have helped to drag this institution out of the past so that it can face the future. At this general election, voters deserve better than a choice between the two tired old parties. and build a better future. So will the Prime Minister commit today to take part in those three-way debates 
or is he going to run scared of debating a girly Prime Minister! Uh, Mr Speaker, I think what the people of this country want is their promises kept and I'm not disposed to uh, believe in the promises of the Liberal Democrats when their leaflets in London say they want to revoke the result of the referendum. Their leaflets in the southwest of the country don't mention Brexit at all, uh, Mr Speaker. That's them. The what they stand for, that's the bunch of hypocrites, a lot of them. Uh, they stand for nothing but a policy of dither and delay and indecision. And to take this country forward, to take this country forward with fantastic environmental policies, fantastic policies on education of a kind, of a kind that I think will appeal to all her constituents, she should join this party, vote for this government, and support us at the general election. Jack Lepresti! Thank you, Mr. Speaker. If I may, could I join with the tributes from across the House to your service and your speakership? Even though our 30 year friendship, notwithstanding, I haven't agreed with everything you've done recently, but I've been a big supporter of yours in the chair. You've been a champion of backbenchers, and you've allowed the Chamber to hold the executive to account and enabled it in a very good way. And can I just say the best of luck and good wishes to you and your family? Thank you. Could I, when my right honourable friend was standing for the leadership of our great party, he spoke about ending the witch hunt of our Northern Ireland veterans. Yeah. He said we need to end unfair trials of people who served Queen and country. He said the persecution of veterans facing historical allegations over troubles in Northern Ireland has got to stop. Now, given that there was nothing in the Queen's speech. Can he give a clear manifesto undertaking that if he's re-elected as Prime Minister with a Conservative government, he will bring forward legislation as quickly as possible yeah. to end this awful injustice? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yes, Mr. Mr. Speaker, and I, I thank uh, my, my honourable friend for everything he has done to campaign on that issue. As he knows, uh, the consultation on the new legislation was only concluded a, a few days ago. And I can certainly give him the reassurance that we will be bringing forward uh, legislation uh, to ensure that there are no unfair prosecutions of people who served this country uh, faithfully uh, and, and well when there is no new evidence being provided. The Prime Minister said at the start that I had demonstrated that I was stretching time and I wouldn't want to disappoint him. Two final contributions from colleagues who I know are leaving the House. Mr Ronnie Campbell. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, Mr Speaker, uh, I've been in this Parliament for 32 years and I've seen many speakers in the chair and I must say you've been the best. Uh, and as we say in the North East, I'm not quite good up in the language of the Welsh, but you're a canny laddie. <laughs> <laughs> can I ask the Prime Minister, the Waspie women were given a bad deal in their pensions. Can the Prime Minister, or has the Prime Minister, got any plans to put that wrong right? Prime Minister. Well, first of all, Mr. Speaker, can I uh, uh, pay tribute also to the uh, honourable gentleman as he as he as he leaves this house, and indeed, uh, again, repeat my uh, my congratulations to all honourable members who are standing down on the uh, the service they have given on the specific issue that he raises of the 
the WASPy women. As he knows, it is a very difficult issue and uh, very, I know, very highly emotionally charged. Uh, we have done our best to try to uh, satisfy that group, and another billion pounds has, I think, been allocated to the support of, uh, of, of WASPy pensioners. Uh, but I would, I would just remind uh, honourable members opposite who are who are chuntering uh, at me that under the under the Labour Party, I seem to remember that pensions, female pensions, went, went up by 75p. Yeah. That was the, that was their approach uh, to, to pensions rights for, for women. Uh, we 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 are, and I, uh, Mr. Speaker, we are indeed looking at what more we can do to satisfy uh, that issue. But it is, as he knows, uh, a very difficult issue. Uh, Mr. Richard Benyon. Okay. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I wish you well? And can I add to the? Uh, Plaudits that have been made to you by thanking you for the way you've represented my father's old constituents in Buckingham. Uh, I know they, you've been assiduous in that. Uh, many years ago, uh, the Prime Minister was campaigning in Newbury to help get me elected, and he was asked by the Newbury Weekly News whether there was any chance of him becoming Prime Minister, and he said he, said he thought there was more chance of being decapitated by a frisbee. <laughs> can, can I say that I take a great delight and will continue to great, take great delight that he has defied those odds. If he can commit to me here today to continue this country's bold ambition on ocean conservation yeah. where we are a world yeah. leader. Yeah. Prime Minister. Uh, I, I thank my, my right, right honourable friend for all the service he has given uh, this government and uh, this, this country and he has, uh, I, I remember vividly campaigning with him actually on one occasion when we were interrupted by a dog show. I, also, I, I, seem to, I seem to remember. Uh, but he has also done particularly important work uh, in conserving oceans, and he has helped to ensure that this country has global leadership in establishing marine conservation areas around uh, the, the planet. This country, as you know, Mr. Speaker, protects uh, one of the vast expanses, vastest expanses of uh, the oceans of any country on Earth. And it is thanks to the work of uh, my right honourable friend that we have put that issue at the forefront of our politics, protecting marine life, protecting uh, the, not just the, the fish, but of course uh, the, the penguins as well. And, uh, and, he, and as you will know, a third of the world's emperor penguins are British. Uh, Mr. Speaker. And, 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 and he has done a signal job. He has done a signal job, Mr. Speaker, of protecting those penguins. And I thank him for it. Order. <laughs>